0: Support for the South Carolina Lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 28, 2022, from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features my interview with Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis as debate in the Senate on his medical marijuana bill gets underway. We hear from Senator Lindsey Graham about how he wants the government to balance its budget, his thoughts on Ukraine, and Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer's pending retirement. We also have some campaign trail news for you in there. Look alive, folks. In business, we hear from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell about inflation And we got some economic data, some good, some hmm. And in our medical section, I talk with DHEC Director of Public Health, Dr. Brandon Traxler, about COVID data issues and the current surge, which I think is dropping off. We got some data for you in a minute. Also, we want to hear your stories too. So we set up a voicemail box. It's on your phone. All you need to do is call 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. Let us know how you're handling life these days. If anything has changed, like your job or school, if you're feeling the pinch of inflation, talk about ranch pizza. We can't get enough or any other issue you want us to get to the bottom of. We will do it. We have that power. 803-563-7169. Thank you. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 15,226 total deaths and currently there are 1,355,116 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of January 28th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive is not available right now. More on that in medical. There are 2,568 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19. 446 are in intensive care and 254 are in ventilators. Now, a little bit more of a breakdown here. The seven-day case moving average has continued to drop since its January 16th peak in our state, but we're still averaging around 12,600 cases a day, which is still higher than any of our previous surge peaks. So each day is higher, more than double in some cases than our previous peaks last year. Meanwhile, weekly death rates remain relatively stable and low, which I know is kind of cringy to say. But we have three life saving vaccines available, and so far, 52.9% of all eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. The medical marijuana debate began in the state Senate this week after the bill's sponsor, Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis, spent some seven years crafting and refining it. There has been a lot of talk there about the bill and even misinformation about it. To get the facts and ask about concerns some people have, I had Senator Davis on this week in South Carolina. Here he is explaining his bill.
2: I think what they need to know about this bill is that it's very tightly regulated, it's very conservative. Um, And it is an incremental step toward empowering doctors to help patients who can benefit um, from their suffering using medical cannabis. Um, We have a very limited number of conditions, 13 particular conditions. um, That's much narrower than a lot of states. Um, but I took a lot of care in only lifting qualifying conditions for which there is a body of medical research that shows medical cannabis can be efficacious. I mean, so I wanted to be very precise in that regard. I mean, I recognize what South Carolinians want as a whole, the majority of them. I think they want a bill that empowers doctors. They want a bill that helps patients, but they don't want there to be any slippery slope or any move toward recreational or adult use. And so what I've worked seven years to provide uh, is a very conservative bill that empowers doctors, um, helps patients um, and, and does not lead to that slippery slope. And so uh, we work very closely with the South Medical Association, with the state law enforcement division, um, with DHAC, with other stakeholders and literally seven years worth of, of hearings, study, revising the language. Um, it is a very mature bill at this point in time. And we've had the benefit of looking at the 37 states that have legalized cannabis for medical purposes and looking at those statutes and figuring out what's worked and what what didn't work so well. Um, Which ones do I want to take and borrow for our bill? Because I want South South Carolina's medical cannabis bill to be a template for any other state that wants to pass a purely medical bill um, based on science lots of safeguards in place to make sure it isn't improperly diverted. And I think that's what we're debating on the floor of the Senate this week. And I think that's ultimately what's gonna get passed.
1: So Senator, what do you, what do you say to folks um, who say this could lead to a slippery slope, uh, that it could lead to recreational marijuana use and legalization? Uh, is that something that you know could actually happen? They're saying that the, this could lead to the infrastructure getting put into place to lead to that uh, widespread legalization. What do you say to that?
2: I mean, the only way something like that would happen is if it got a majority vote in the House of Representatives, a majority vote in the South Carolina Senate and then signed by the governor. I mean, every state is going to be different in that regard. I mean, California and Colorado, they have adult recreational use. But the people of California and the people of Colorado and those other states that have legalized it for adult use, they're different than the people of South Carolina. South Carolinians have their own values. Um, they have their own beliefs in regard to the proper rule of government. They have their own beliefs in regard to um, medical cannabis or recreational cannabis. Um, and overwhelmingly, poll after poll shows that South Carolinians want to empower doctors. They want to help patients who are suffering, and they are opposed to recreational adult use. So, I mean, that's the most obvious answer. I mean, the law isn't going to change in South Carolina unless the majority of the House and the Senate agree it should change. And, and the governor signs it. And, and House members and Senate members obviously represent their, their constituents, and they reflect what their constituents want. So, I mean, I think that, that's my answer, is that South Carolina is in California. And, and we ought not be afraid of, of doing something very narrow and very specific and very well-regulated that empowers doctors to help patients um, without this fear that somehow there's going to be a sea change in South Carolina in regard to adult use. I mean, that's a whole separate issue.
1: Senator, in the opening segment for this show, I played a clip of Senator Greg Hember. He's a Republican from Horry County who was at that press conference as well. And, and he says it's a lie that marijuana is safe and good to use and will only lead to destruction and heartbreak. How do you respond to that when you hear these stories and these concerns? I mean, the only way I can respond to that is by looking at the, the you know, just reams
2: of, of medical studies, clinical studies, peer-reviewed studies that have showed that marijuana can clearly be a benefit in in certain circumstances. And and again, marijuana is not a panacea, okay? It may not be for anybody, everybody. And and that's why we make it very physician-centric, okay? It's a physician sitting across, uh, you know, in, in a doctor's room with a patient discussing alternatives, assessing their condition, looking at what their medication history has been, judging what kind of successes and failures they've had. It's a very personal decision between a physician and a patient as to what's in that patient's best interest.
1: Davis is confident the bill will move through the Senate and get debated on the House floor, though getting through the House could be tricky according to the murmurs coming out of the State House. Oh, the murmurs. And that doesn't include the possibility of a veto from the governor. But we'll see. We'll bring you more on this debate next week, as well as some controversial bills making waves in the State House involving abortion and critical race theory. We'll have more for you next Tuesday. Next up, the 117th governor of South Carolina, his excellency governor Henry McMaster, signed the new congressional district map into law this week. Lawmakers approved the measure along party lines with Democrats against the new map which they say that due to gerrymandered district lines in the first congressional district, it is less competitive. More to come on the redistricting saga in future episodes. And we got some more statehouse news for you. Senator Lindsey Graham, wait, he's not in the statehouse. Well, he was. In the Statehouse this week, he was pushing a bill that would make South Carolina the 28th state to call for a Convention of States to add a balanced budget amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Currently, federal debt is 134% of GDP, which Graham says puts us on the road to becoming a country like Greece. Financially, that is. He sees a Convention of States, which would require a two-thirds vote in both chambers of 34 state legislatures, as the only way to approve such a budget measure since a similar vote in Congress isn't possible. Here's Lindsey. You can put Republicans in charge of the Congress in perpetuity. This
3: chart is not going to change until the Congress legally has to get the debt in order. Because it's so hard to get 60 votes in the United States Senate to limit spending. And I believe the filibuster has done more good than harm. So. If we take back the Senate in 2020, 2022 as Republicans, I'm going to insist that one of the first votes we take is on a balanced budget amendment. I want to put everybody on record to start a conversation throughout the country.
1: Just a note, Graham is the ranking member of the Senate Budget Committee. And House Bill H-3205, which calls for a convention of states, passed the House last session by a vote of 66 to 42 and is currently in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey said he is hopeful the Senate will take up the resolution. We'll be watching. Now, while fielding questions from the press, Graham had some tough words from Russian President Vladimir Putin, who has been massing troops on the borders surrounding Ukraine in preparation for what many believe will be an invasion. Here's what Graham wants to see done.
3: I do believe there's growing bipartisan support to put sanctions on Putin and his buddies right now. Don't wait for the invasion. They're destroying the Ukrainian economy. They're throwing Europe into chaos. Sanction him now for the provocation. That's my approach. Most Democrats want to do it after he invades. I think that's too late. I totally support sending 8,500 troops to our NATO allies in the region. Because one of the reasons Putin is doing this is trying to get NATO to back off. Well, the signal I want to send is we're not going to back off. The more provocative you are, the more resolve we'll have for NATO. So send American and NATO soldiers around Russia to reinforce we're not giving an inch when it comes to NATO. I also will support a lend-lease agreement where we flow arms to the Ukraine in larger numbers, more sophisticated weapons, so they can defend themselves. The more dead Russians, if he invades, the, l- the more likely this thing will end sooner rather than later. So sanction him now, build up NATO, and not do not give in to this bully. If we get Ukraine right, it can reset the world, if we get it wrong, God help Taiwan. Everybody is watching. This is a moment for NATO to show as an organization we're willing to stand up for our values. It's a chance for the world to tell bullies that in 2022, you don't take things because you can
1: Now, there's a bit of a split among Republicans right now, according to Axios between those calling for President Biden to take a tougher stance on Russia, like you just heard from Senator Graham, and those who follow Fox News' Tucker Carlson, who favors isolationism and a more pro-Russian stance. Caught in between are the 2022 Republicans running for election this year and their primary challengers. But like you heard Graham say, if Ukraine falls, God help Taiwan from China, and a continued creep of strongman authoritarianism. Speaking of, any Ukraine invasion will likely happen after the Beijing Olympics. Putin wouldn't want to ruin his buddy Xi Jinping's party, of course. Now, also, we're sticking with Graham here. He later weighed in on Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer's retirement announcement, saying in a statement, Justice Breyer has always shown great respect for the institution and his colleagues, and I wish him well in the next phase of his life. As to his replacement, if all Democrats hang together, which I expect they will, they have the power to replace Justice Breyer in 2022 without one Republican vote in support. Elections have consequences, and that is most evident when it comes to fulfilling vacancies on the Supreme Court. Now, Graham has supported Democratic nominations before, saying he believes in confirming qualified nominees regardless of who appoints them. And of course, he's been attacked for doing his job in this hyperpartisan world we live in. He was one of nine Republicans who voted for Sonia Sotomayor in 2009 and one of five who supported Elena Kagan a year later. President Biden is holding true to his promise to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court and intends to do so by the end of February. South Carolina U.S. District Judge J. Michelle Childs is one of many names floating around and one that Congressman Jim Clyburn endorses. She was recently nominated by Biden to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, which not only helped fill that federal appellate gap on her resume, but is a common proving ground for Supreme Court justices. When Childs was confirmed to her current position in 2010, she was before Graham, a fellow USC School of Law graduate and the Senate Judiciary Committee he sits on. At the time, Graham introduced her by saying, every lawyer that I know of who's appeared before her, regardless of their political persuasion or philosophy, has nothing but great things to say about Judge Childs. Still, there are several other names on the shortlist and we'll have comments from Congressman Clyburn for you next week. Some more Statehouse news. Florence car dealer Mike Rickenball defeated Florence Representative Jay Jordan on Tuesday to secure the Republican nomination for the Senate District 31 seat previously occupied by the late Senator Hugh Leatherman for 41 years. Rickenball spent more than $260,000 on the race so far. He raised $48,000 and loaned himself $250,000. Ball also received the endorsement of former Republican gubernatorial candidate turned political power player John Warren a week before the election. Jordan, who has been in the House since 2015, had key endorsements from leaders in the community and the political establishment, but ended up losing by 500 votes. If Rickenball defeats Democrat Suzanne La Rochelle in the March 29th special election, which is expected in the Republican district, then the 50-year-old will become the first black Republican elected to the state Senate. And real quick before we go, some U.S. Senate campaign news. Senator Tim Scott's campaign announced it raised nearly $7 million in the fourth quarter of 2021, helping push his cycle total to $37.3 million. This unprecedented amount has made him one of the top fundraisers in the Senate, second to Georgia Democrat Ralph Warnock. His campaign says he ended the quarter with $21.5 million on hand. Money in the bank, folks. That is a lot where I come from. The eyes of the business world were on Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell this week during his press conference following the Federal Open Market Committee meeting in Washington, where members kept rates near zero with the expectation that they will soon be raised to help combat inflation. Despite a robust economy, more data on that in a minute, and a strong jobs market, we still got inflation
4: running hot. Here's what Chair Powell had to say. Inflation remains well above our longer run goal of 2%. Supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic and the reopening of the economy have continued to contribute to elevated levels of inflation. In particular, bottlenecks and supply constraints are limiting how quickly production can respond to higher demand in the near term. These problems have been larger and longer-lasting than anticipated, exacerbated by waves of the virus. While the drivers of higher inflation have been predominantly connected to the dislocations caused by the pandemic, price increases have now spread to a broader range of goods and services. Wages have also risen briskly, and we are attentive to the risks that persistent real wage growth in excess of productivity could put upward pressure on inflation. Like most forecasters, we continue to expect inflation to decline over the course of the year. In addition, we believe that the best thing we can do to support continued labor market gains is to promote a long expansion, and that will require price stability. We're committed to our price stability goal. We will use our tools both to support the economy and a strong labor market, and to prevent higher inflation from becoming entrenched. And we'll be watching carefully to see whether the economy is evolving in line with expectations. The Fed's monetary policy actions have been guided by our mandate to promote maximum employment and stable prices for the American people. As I noted, the Committee left the target range for the federal funds rate unchanged and reaffirmed our plan, announced in December, to end asset purchases in early March. In light of the remarkable progress we've seen in the labor market and inflation that is well above our 2 percent longer-run goal, the economy no longer needs sustained high levels of monetary policy support. That is why we are phasing out our asset purchases and why we expect it will soon be appropriate to raise the target range for the federal funds rate. Of course, the economic outlook remains highly uncertain. Making appropriate monetary policy in this environment requires humility, recognizing that the economy evolves in unexpected ways. We'll need to be nimble so that we can respond to the full range of plausible outcomes.
1: So yeah, we'll start seeing interest rates creeping up slowly this year, which will be annoying for a bit since we're already paying more for other things. Everything's gonna get more expensive. Listen, I know, don't blame me. Actually, well, maybe you can because we did tell you guys to buy a bunch of crap to support the economy while the labor market was convulsing and supply chains freaked out. Whatever. I'm not taking any blame. You can't. Ooh, actually, look. New gross domestic product data that I will take credit for. That's right. The GDP, which is a broad measure of the country's production of goods and services, hit an annualized rate of 6.9% in the last quarter of 2021, well above estimates thanks to business spending and consumer activity which makes up two thirds of our economy. The quarter topped off the strongest economy since 1984. You're welcome. And an annual GDP of 5.7%. Now, we would have had an even bigger quarter, but consumer spending shrank 1% in December. We can blame Santa for that. And by Santa, I mean the supply chain. As you know, DHEC has been dealing with several issues involving reporting COVID data recently. We've talked about that several times before. Now, there were several factors at play, and while Premier Medical Laboratory Services, a DHEC contractor, has cleared its testing backlog, other metrics are still playing catch-up, like the percent positivity rate. Now, in an effort to get to the bottom of this and make this show almost an entire version of This Week in South Carolina, I spoke with DHEC Public Health Director Dr. Brandon Traxler about this and more. Here she is explaining... What's going on?
5: We did have some data processing issues over the weekend and into the first part of this week, but I am happy to report those were solved and we were able to get all the data inputted into the system and cleaned and and reported out yesterday. I think the the percent positivity was the only part um, that did not go out yesterday because the negative results were still uh, being imported. In terms of the all the case counts and so forth, everything is is back up and running smoothly now and and there have been systems put in place to be able to overcome these issues and process these volumes, which we hopefully won't need again, but mm-hmm. should we, it's there for the future.
1: Can you delve a little bit deeper into this? What was the cause of, of these issues?
5: Some of it was was an IT, um, not our IT department, but an IT type issue, um, literally involving the software um, that connects the way we get labs in uh, to our database. and so. Labs primarily come into our system uh, one of two mechanisms. One of them is electronic lab reporting, which um, especially the bigger hospitals, bigger labs are set up to do. Um, And that's really the best and easiest way for the labs to come in. The other half of our labs come in on CSV files. um, And it was the processing and and inputting of these CSV files that, um, as we got a lot more of them and and a lot all at once, um, basically clogged up and became a bottleneck and a choke point.
1: And we, we talked to Dr. Edward Simmer a couple of weeks ago about you know just being prepared for the surge and the difficulties uh, DHEC and other um, labs have been facing. Are those or have those been resolved at this point when it comes to you know the contractors that are processing a lot of these test results, these record number of test results?
5: Our partners at our labs have now gotten to within that you know contractual forty-eight hour uh, turnaround time, and so uh, people should be getting, regardless of where they're tested, their results back in that time frame now. Uh, And so things are looking better at that point. Um, And part of this weekend's data processing issue were were some of those backlogged results, just all the volume getting into the system. Mm
1: -hmm. And Dr. Traxer, when we talk about that backlog, uh, during that time DHEC was recommending folks to get another test if they could, Uh, are there gonna be any issues with double counting or is that what's also being worked out right now?
5: We always go through um, a process where we we deduplicate uh, the data. So we make sure that there aren't duplicates. Um, that people are only being counted if they're tested once. So even if that test result gets comes to us from, say their doctor and the lab, it still is only going to count as one test. okay. Um, and if they test positive two different days back to back, for example, that that still is one case type of thing. And so that deduplication um, is part of the all of the process that all of this data goes through. Um, as it's coming into our system and as it gets processed then for us to put it on our dashboards back out.
1: And But you're still having issues with the percent positive rate because of the negative tests coming in. What, what's the latest on that? Why is that still lagging?
5: Just the volume of negatives, thankfully, is much uh, larger than the volume of positives and so certainly inputting the positives was the priority as we overcame this, uh, this issue over the last few days. Um, and I think we are very close to having now all of the negatives back in and would expect then the percent positive rate to to resume being reported here in the next couple of days.
1: And Dr. Traxer, where are we right now in this surge? January has been quite the month. Uh, I know uh, we saw a case rate high of 115,000 the week of January 15th. Uh, last week, I know the numbers are still going in, but if you base it off of what's been reported so far, it seems like it's about half of what that week prior was. So uh, or do you see some positive signs here, some positive metrics when we're looking at this current surge?
5: So I think it is still very early and it's hard to um, say for certain that we have peaked, for example, and are on the downslope, but um, there are encouraging signs. And we have seen even with the, with the data, as you're pointing out, from a couple of weeks ago, that that rate of increase even was slowing. Mm-hmm. So we were seeing less of a rate of increase. Um, and so I am hopeful, um, but cautiously hopeful.
1: Remember that court fight over banning masks in schools after a temporary measure to that effect was approved in the state budget last year, but was struck down by the state Supreme Court and thus kept the decision with schools? I'm sure parents of school-aged children do. Well, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld that ruling this week, which ensures students with disabilities who are at risk of severe illness if they get COVID have access to public school education. The ACLU of South Carolina and other groups sued the state over the ban last year, And really quick on the way out, this from the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security newsletter, which I love. Subscribe to it. It's really good. New research provides evidence that SARS-CoV-2 vaccination has no negative impact on reproduction, whether consumption is achieved through heterosexual intercourse or in vitro fertilization. But men who become infected with the virus appear to have a short-term decline in fertility. So, again, vaccination, no effect. If you get the virus, short-term decline in fertility. Not my words. This is based on a study published in the American Journal of Epidemiology. Researchers from Boston University School of Public Health found no association, again, between vaccination of males or females with any of the vaccines available in the United States, and the likelihood of conception with fertility rates among female participants with at least one dose of vaccine almost identical to rates among unvaccinated female participants. In the same study, researchers report that men who tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 within 60 days of a woman's menstrual cycle had reduced fertility when compared with men who never tested positive or who tested positive at least 60 days prior to the cycle. So more more evidence of the power of vaccinations and another reason. Not my research, folks. You can find all that on Facebook. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. We'd love to hear about how you're handling life these days. If anything has changed, like your job or school, if you're feeling the pinch of inflation, or maybe you have a topic you'd like us to get to the bottom to and free us of this ranch pizza world that we're living in right now. This is only, I think, only our second mention of ranch here. It's too much. <laughs> anyway. 803-563-7169. Leave us a message. You might just get on the pod. Speaking yep. of getting on the pod. So we got a call in, yeah. We got a call in from a co-worker trying
0: to defend the merits of ranch, okay? And uh, instead of playing the voicemail, I just asked her, hey, do you want to be on the show? And she uh, begrudgingly acquiesced here. So, yes. uh, listeners, please welcome Abby. Abby Stillwell is Thank in the studio you. with yes. me.
6: Where's the applause button? I, I have
0: an, appla- I an applause. I can put an applause underneath. Would okay. you like that?
6: I would have liked it during the actual intro, but if you want to edit it afterward, that's fine.
0: Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. All right. She's Not already, everyone gives she's us. Already she's already nagging us. us. Okay. There's one us. host here. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, mm. She took quite... <laughs> She took quite the umbrage with my my pizza ranch take. Yeah. So Abby, uh, just tell people tell the people what you do here. What do you do in the building all day?
6: <laughs> I cater to Gavin's needs pretty mm. much. I mean, I'm wearing my day. UTV
1: vest right now that Abby yeah. purchases. Yeah. I'm all not the allowed to TV have one stuff. of these. You're the director of marketing here. I right? am.
6: Yeah. Um, technical title is marketing director, but I do our on-site events, off-site events, community representation. Which includes promotional items. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. The
0: she orders our stickers.
4: She absolute. gets our stuff, our pint
0: glasses. Yeah. She, uh, lightning in a bottle, yes. absolute electricity. Mm-hmm. You go to Abby, she gets it done. Absolutely. Folks. So, Eventually. Abby. shows up on my why desk. Why are you here today?
6: I'm here to defend Ranch on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> or on the side of pizza. This is the hill you're you going to die on. Abby yeah. has, I will die on this hill.
1: Abby has a clipboard with I a piece of paper board. on it. She has and notes. At the notes. End of the paper there is a picture of pizza <laughs> and a picture of a bottle of ranch dressing.
6: You no. can't tell what it is fully cuz it's it makes it even better once we okay. find out what it is. Okay. I'll let you I'll let you
1: I'll let you just go ahead and, and <clears> just have the floor here cuz yeah, it's like you're going to give that voicemail. let's, so let's hear get it.
6: Well, I will first say that this is worse than leaving a voicemail because it's no, more intimidating. Abby, rude. But maybe I just need to get used to it, and we'll
1: not have you everybody back.
6: likes their voice as much as Gavin does. But I, it takes time to get used to it. It I'll does. Tell you that much. At least it's not TV. Um, these are simply facts about ranch dressing, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: which doesn't necessarily. Matter for my argument itself. This is just Mm. to back me up. If we need to get to that point, (laughs) she's
1: ready. Lay it down, Um, Abby. Tell us truth. Ranch
6: is the perfect side for pizza mm. i think the bigger battle here is not ranch on pizza it's if you are a person who likes condiments or not
1: oh mm, i don't want to be I, I, I don't like ranch on pizza but i do love condiments i love condiments as well
6: and so i will find a way to sure. use a condiment with any i got a question I have.
0: I have a question then do, mm. a are you episode. a ketchup on eggs person oh no no Answer the question, Abby.
1: Answer the question. Abby. Yes, I am. Oh, you're no, you're just saying that to say that.
6: I am not.
1: Oh, she's gonna die on, on this Sunday hell.
6: mornings. Is my morning to wake up with my daughter. Uh-huh. My husband does Saturday, so I can sleep in, mm. and so it's my morning that I actually make her breakfast. We do scrambled eggs, a little bit of cheese, a little bit of salt, ketchup as a top. What kind of ketchup? Heinz. <laughs> Thank
1: God, that was good. Oh, heck no. That was a good quote. That's good. Listen, That's a test their baby.
6: I am a very brand loyal person. What kind mm. of ranch
1: are we talking? Classic. Hidden Valley? Hidden Valley. Okay. I was going to.
6: I will say, surprisingly, ranch is the one thing that I'm not super brand only on because I know a lot of restaurants, um, including my notes that I have here.
0: I want to hear any of the
6: notes. (laughs) There are different accounts from over the years, but it is said that Domino's actually started including ranch dressing with their chicken wings in 94. And from Mm -hmm. there, pizza lovers began dipping their crust in the heavenly dressing. From there, (laughs) these are facts that I found, but from there, many pizza restaurants actually started crafting their own ranch recipe to Mm -hmm. cater to being... A side dish to their pizza.
0: I I would just like to point out that uh, if Domino's does it.
6: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I wanted to read this fact because I'm pretty sure that your um, elitism over restaurants in general would not include
1: Domino's. That's true, but but it's it's indicative of the mass appeal. Pizza
0: lovers aren't like goo goo gaga for Domino's.
6: So, just ignore
1: that. Yeah, of
0: course.
6: The back of my paper here, I did get lost in a Reddit thread.
1: It's dangerous. That no, was a right, little bit
6: you, longer than my CVS we gotta, we gotta, receipt.
1: You've got to up your parental
0: controls, out. Yeah, sheesh. <laughs> You're putting a jihad on pizza.
6: I picked my top three comments. So I didn't Love do it. the whole thing. I picked my top three comments. Love that, yeah. One, it is our God-given right to match these two phantasmal things together. Ranch is by far the best option to dip pizza in.
1: I'd say constitutional right. Yeah. First Amendment, baby. Mm-hmm. You constitutional
0: carry your ranch <laughs> <It's>, everywhere.
6: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop. Two, and this is what I said earlier, most of the pizza joints in my town make their own ranch specifically for pizza dipping. Yeah, okay. Three, the only thing that can improve the cardboard that public schools call pizza Oof. is
0: ranch. Well, that makes sense. But there, and sure. I wanted to include that one right because
6: I'm saying that that might be where some of this is ingrained in us.
0: Hmm. Mm. So I'm saying like if you go into Little Italy mm-hmm. and you have pizza, you're going to be like this pizza is incomplete. I need ranch with I this. think she can do pizza will, without the ranch. But I'll when eat it's presented... it without it.
6: However, I would like to have something to dip my pizza in. What's,
0: tell me your favorite mm. part of ranch. What's, what's your favorite thing about ranch here? Is it because it really accents these flavors or is it because it's such a strong flavor and there's no such thing as mild ranch
6: mm, there that, are some runny ones
0: but i'm saying the the flavor is a very strong flavor
6: it is and it's it, a very it, strong it, and overwhelming flavor yeah it and masks, america
0: is very strong it, it's the flavor of america okay it mask it Full masks, stop. masks at, at the, the flavor of the pizza when when you put it on pizza or whatever you put ranch on mm-hmm. to me it tastes like it ranch. takes away from that yeah and so yep. i'm saying do you truly like pizza or do you like ranch receptacles? Mm.
6: Um, ranch I receptacles. truly do like pizza. I thoroughly enjoy it. mm mm-hmm. um. I think for me, it is more so. I need a condiment with my food.
0: Even, mm. pe- but with pizza, if I need a condiment, well, I don't extra want extra marinara on top yeah. of the
6: pizza to be my condiment.
0: Extra marinara. I don't yeah. like
6: tomatoes, and so I already get light so, sauce on my pizza. So, but you put ketchup
1: Abby, on your eggs. Question: it's a different Would thing. you put... ketchup is
6: not a tomato. <laughs> it's tomato. It's made from tomatoes, but it is not a side of tomatoes. <laughs> okay,
1: well, I'm not going to get into that one. But would you eat a pizza if the tomato sauce, the marinara sauce, was replaced with ranch? Foul. Disgusting.
6: Well, they do that. <gasps> there Where? Is. There are some pizzas like at Mellow Mushroom or those other ones that are the theme pizzas that the ranch is the base of the Oh, pizza. my
1: disgusting. God. Field trip. Buffalo Field chicken. trip. We're going to it's Mellow Mushroom. I'm it's not the same thing as oh, like eat the barbecue oh, eat pizzas oh, that have a layer of
6: barbecue sauces. Sauce. That's
1: another thing, too, because you're a eating. huge bar- a Buffalo barbecue, whatever barbecue chicken fan on your pizza, too. So mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about that, doesn't that make sense to dip in ranch? Ranch. Yikes. My
6: favorite specialty Unholy. pizza, if we may, right. is Mellow Mushrooms Loaded Potato Pie Pizza. Oh, my God. That I think is Starch one of the ones City. that has a ranch base.
0: Disgusting.
6: Um, and it's essentially a chopped up baked potato on top of your pizza.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That
6: so, has ranch drizzled on top as well. I, I think, and sour cream.
0: I think that that goes against the Geneva Convention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds definitely. like an absolute war
1: crime mm-hmm. that uh, you should be brought up in the Hague. I love my, you know, pineapple and ham pizza. I love my Hawaiian pizza. I'm not trying to do that. Oh, okay then. Well,
6: I don't like pineapple anyway, so I'm not going to put it on a pizza.
1: Well, pineapple is great. Well, I had an epiphany during all this. Yes. Ranch on pizza is the equivalent of Crocs on feet. Uh, I don't hot know. T- hey. This hot take will not Come be discussed on. further. It is now lead law. That's trash. That's it. Let's try.
0: So we gotta get Meg to call in to verify these these findings,
1: but uh, that's a Fashion Council rule. This is a lead law. She has no she has no jurisdiction over lead law. <sighs>
0: Ooh, she might call in angry about that. She has
1: jurisdiction uh-uh. on the Fashion Council, but yeah. this is lead. This is the it's the runes, baby. <laughs> the runes and scrolls. Okay, Abby, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you, Abby. In. I think pleasure. people are gonna want you back because you got some. Some wild takes that we can't even comprehend. I have a lot of
6: opinions. We will say
0: that (laughs) Abby and I totally like the same kinds of movies, though. We both like like bad movies that are bad. Okay, (laughs) Okay, they're they're not. No,
6: you think they're bad movies. I like the
1: movie.
0: I love the Fast and and Furious. I do too. But it's dumb. But anyway, like
1: a ten-minute wind down. Gavin,
0: say goodbye. Say goodbye. All right,
1: thanks, Abby. Thank you, (laughs) everyone, for listening. And give us a call. We got a lot to digest, there, folks. Yeah, with probably indigestion, with all the food we're talking about there. Ooh, TGIF from the lead. Let us know, 803 563 7169. We also had some great reviews on our iTunes, which I'll mention in our next episode because this wind down was already super long. But you can always do that on iTunes. And stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and South Carolina Also, don't forget to support your local newspapers.org. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Okay, that's what my dad said. Ada.
0: Ah, yeah.